The Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology reports almost 5,000 women froze their eggs in 2013, compared to only 500 in 2009. The procedure is on the rise for women hoping to preserve their fertility. If more women are involved in careers and are interested in this procedure, it brings up a lot of questions. But what about for physicians? I'm joined now by Dr. Lisa Ash. She is Medical Director of Concierge Medical and Wellness Provider of BeWell Medical Group, and she sees egg freezing as an opportunity to beat the clock. Welcome to Primary Care Today. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. Lisa, first of all, thanks for joining us. Oh, no, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a great topic. Yeah, tell me a little bit about it. I think it's great you're talking about it, but especially, you know, we have a physician audience, so this obviously is of great interest. Tell me a little bit about uh, your decision and and what you went through and the pros and cons. Uh, so it, I've heard about it, um, I think, in med school. I graduated in 2008, and throughout residency, my residency was in internal medicine, um, but it was kind of on a peripheral. Um, and, and that, you know, you spend most, of, as a physician, you spend most of your 20s in school between med school and residency. Um, and, and so I just chose to focus on getting married and having children later. Um, and I, I pushed it off. And then uh, recently, within the past year, you know, I'm 36 now and I've been out of residency five years. Uh, you know, I made the decision. Okay, well, I'm not. I'm not married. I, and and you don't have to be married to have children, but that would be my preference. And so I did a little bit more research. Um, I had spoken to several patients about it because they just asked. You know, they asked your primary care. Hey, what do you think about it? Um, and a lot of times, you're likely the one to refer them to the fertility, um, just as much as their OBGYN. Um, and so I started doing some research on it. And I made the decision to do it. I wish, the one thing that I want to point out, I wish I had talked about it earlier and made the decision to do it earlier. Um, probably closer to 31 or 32, just because um, even freezing them at 36, they're still advanced maternal age. You know, the eggs are still older than, than I would want them to be, even though they're better than, you know, waiting to their year 42 or 41. Right, I guess there's really not a downside to doing it earlier if you wanted to. There's not a downside. Um, the issue for me and for some people um, is the cost of the actual procedure. And um, I finished residency at 31, and so it would have been, you know, with student loans, it would have been my first uh, real paycheck um, kind of going, budgeting and kind of going to that. Um, and you have other goals. And so it's about ten to fifteen thousand dollars, depending on where you go, for the procedure, um, plus or minus the medication. Some go as high as eighteen thousand when you add the medication cost in. You made this decision, which I think you know, obviously that you're sharing with us, which is great. Let's talk about it a little bit because I know we we may refer patients. I'm a family doc. We might refer patients. Say yes, this is an option. But honestly, much like many of the lab tests I order or. Uh, radiologic studies or things, you know, you really never really see them done or totally understand how it's done. You kind of just send your patient off and get the results. So this is kind of a similar thing, I'm sure, for many of us. Tell me about, you know, as a physician with a patient's eyes uh, looking at it, what happened? Like, what what is it from the beginning to end? First thing, I chose um, a specialist that had done some IVF for friends of mine. 
Um, and so the first thing, you choose a physician. Um, you want to look at, you want to make sure that you two are comfortable together because you get very intimate because um, fertility is a very, um, very intimate topic. Two, um, you, you want to look at their rates, um, you know, their birth rates, um, how successful are they. So that's the first. Then you meet with them. It's usually about an hour. Um, they go over financials with you. Um, some also have you sign an affidavit about what you want to do with the eggs should something happen to you. And I wasn't expecting that. That was completely different because I didn't even think about it. Um, if I don't use the eggs or if something happens to me, you know, what would I want to do with them? So you, you have to tell them that. Um, and then you go over the plan, what medications, birth control, and all of that. My um, doctor um, asked me to lose 20 pounds. Sometimes they even put you on metformin a little bit to help you um, lose the weight and if they're worried about the size of your eggs. So I wasn't put on metformin, but I was asked to lose 20 pounds. And then you, they, the next visit is an ultrasound visit. And they want to look at your ovaries. They want to see how many eggs. They're looking for 6 to 10 on each ovary. And so um, at that moment is when during the ultrasound, before he gave me my response, I, that was when I felt the weight of it all because I kept thinking, what if he says I don't have enough eggs or they look bad or I'm not even a candidate to, to have egg freezing? I had never thought about having fertility issues before until the ultrasound. I think that was – so now I know what it's like to have to give patient results because that fear of what could go wrong was very, um, very emotional time for me. But luckily and blessed, um, the ultrasound went well. Then they send you for blood work, and they check things like FSH. Um, they check another one called MAH, and that kind of says, how are your ovaries doing? And they look at that. And then they schedule you to start birth control pills, um, just so they can regulate your cycle. After the birth control pills, then you take hormonal shots for two weeks, and then they schedule the retrieval. So that's kind of how the whole process goes. So it's now if it's not for like cancer patients, if it's just for delaying your um, fertility, then the process is usually could take about a month and a half. If you have to lose weight or they want you to do other things, um, it could take three to four months. It's interesting um, how you also look at it as a physician. I, you, you were thinking about your patients, like wow, you know, to go through that. I remember uh, when my we were getting my wife's getting ultrasounds of our babies, and you know, and the, there was a delay once we were waiting for the report. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, what if something's wrong? What? Right. Why are they waiting to see me? You know, and and when you put yourself in a health situation as a physician, it is very different when the tables are turned. And I I agree with you. I think you look at things very differently. Uh, when you have that perspective, because you probably, I'm sure, when you're explaining it to patients, you you can talk to them about th those types of things that, that were going through your mind. Right, right. And then you think of everything that could go wrong. <laughs> I'm like, what if they see a mask? You know, all the things that you've learned in med school that won the boards, like all the possible um, scenarios kind of run through your mind. And the ultrasound is only like five minutes. And so it wasn't like it was an eternity 
Um, and it's the physician doing it, so he pretty much is giving you immediate feedback. But it felt like an it felt like an eternity um, during that time. So continue. So so you went that far. Then what are the next steps? So um, once they do the retrieval, um, then you know they freeze it for however long you choose to do. Um, what was different was my physician told me that 80% of his patients, and I looked this up, 80% don't use them. Um, it's kind of an insurance policy, um, if you think of it that way. So that was different. I wasn't expecting, you know, that that it was going to be 80% don't even use the eggs. Um, and so they store them for you on a yearly basis. Um, now, sometimes, unfortunately, and especially if you're freezing at an older age, people have to go back and have the freezing process a couple of times because they don't get enough eggs. Um, and I have a friend who had to go through that. She had to do it two or three times because they're looking, um, I think, for 16 to 20 eggs or about or at least 15. So um, so that's kind of the the process. And then you can have the IVF later on if you need to. So now that you have that, tell me a little about the feeling. Do you feel a little more, like less pressure in a sense that you you know you have those eggs there when they talk about biological clock and all those things? So I feel like the you know the decision to do this does give me more time. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm also a minister, um, and so I feel. Um, a part of my decision to want to be married first um, is heavily weighted on that, um, on on my faith and um, just being in the position that I am in church. And so I I see this as a resource just to to take my time and to um, wait on God to send me the person that I feel like I'm supposed to marry. I also believe that who you marry is the most important decision that you'll make. Um, because it can change everything in your life. And I don't want to, you know, I'm 36, I don't want to feel like, oh, my God, I have to find someone in two years or, you know, I'm going to have difficulty getting pregnant. Now I feel like, okay, if it's five years or even seven years, I, I have more time. You know, you bring up something which we often think about in all of our careers, but in particular for women who choose professional careers, that combination of having a family, the pressures of career, mixing it but but you medicine's very unique you you talked about it in that you, you essentially most of us lose our 20s in one form or another because you're in med school for four years after med school you're at residency for three years five years we, we do fellowships you can go on and on and you financially most people are in a position where they really can't make a lot of the financial moves so you really are 30 before things even begin and with the biological clock so to speak that does become a bigger factor in when you're choosing to have children and, and all of those issues because socially you often may not have the relationships you would have had had you maybe entered the workforce at 22 or 23. That's very true. Um, I think I started dating. I didn't date most of medical school. I did start dating um, towards the end of residency. Um, but you just – and there were some of my colleagues, and I'm sure like you – that were, in fact, married while they were in school. And I even had um, one colleague had a baby first year and fourth year of med school and graduated on time. Now, God bless her. I don't know how she did that. Um, but for most of us, um, we were single, and we definitely, for the, even the married ones, weren't having children. 
So um, I, I see this as a way to give women more options. The other thing is, too, a lot of women that might not be in the medical field or or have as long for a career, they want to travel more and just have other experiences before they they settle down. So this is this is a good option for those patients too. Is there a downside now that you've been through it? Some regrets you have, or I mean, you mentioned one which maybe you should have done it earlier if you had the opportunity financially in in that situation. But any other downsides physically? It sounds like. I mean, for any of us, losing weight's a nice thing for us all to do from a health standpoint, but were there any issues either physically or psychologically that you had to deal with? Um, no, I think just the one question that I've been asked that I'm still reconciling is what happens if years from now you're still not married? Are you going to use the eggs? And I don't think I'm there yet to answer that question. Um, so that's just one thing that I have to reconcile. But as far as um, the decision to freeze the eggs, I'm not, I don't regret that at all. Why deciding to share with others? Um, I think it's great you are. It, may, it not only makes for a great radio program, but it also allows you to talk about an issue where we all can learn a great deal from it. But some people might say this is very private. I'm not going to share it. Um, what made you decide to, to kind of tell your story and, and, and share well, it? One, we don't talk about it enough. Um, and two, um, just from both, I feel like seeing it from a patient and from a physician and from a minister, I have three lenses that I look at it. Um, and so I just wanted to give my own, uh, my own viewpoint, my own opinion um, and experience about it to maybe start the conversation. Um, and the other is um, I'm an African-American woman. And it's not it's not talked about and it's not done a lot in that community either, and so um, I just wanted to get the topic out there more, and just just talking about it starts to um, educate people and have their people have their options open, and then again for the women who are younger in their twenties and they want more options just so they start thinking about it. Do you think we as physicians should be counseling our patients more or, or bring that up in our conversations with patients? I think we should bring it up and at least start the conversation. Um, maybe, I don't know what that good age should be, maybe mid-20s, maybe late-20s, but just to say, hey, have you ever thought about this? Um, there are several, not a lot, but there are several um, employers that will actually pay some or all of the cost. I think um, like one out of four employers will cover some fertility. So I think even though money might be an issue, in in those cases they may um, be able to get some help with it. I think we should at least start the conversation and say, hey, this this is an option for you. Dr. Lisa Ash, I want to thank you for joining me on Primary Care today on ReachMD. It was a real pleasure having you. And I just want to thank you for sharing the story. And, and I think people will benefit. I know physicians listening certainly know now, now know more about the procedure. And from a personal side, it was great to hear it. And I really appreciate your taking your time. Thank you for having me. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash Primary Care Today. You can download the podcast and learn more on the series. Thank you for listening.